It's a Mind Matters Free Clinic with Dr. Joelle Lowe, clinical psychologist of Mind Psychological Services and Training. Good morning, Dr. Joelle. Hi, good morning. Yes, if you want to give us a call and speak to Dr. Joelle, 0395433333 is the number to call. Hi, Anas. You had a question for Dr. Joelle? Yes, I actually want to help a friend out. Okay. He has lost his job for the past four months and uh, he went for a couple of interviews but, you know, age factors sometimes you don't get through. He's very depressed. I mean, I'm a positive guy. I send messages every morning, positive messages, you know. But he's so fearful in his life now. He's like so worried, you know, wife and kids. And I feel sorry for him. How can I help this guy to get out of his depression, be more confident to go for interviews again and start something. Right. So, Dr. Joe, what do you think? I think a lot of people who are in their 40s to late 40s, even 50s, have this thing about, okay, it's time to make a career change. Can I do it? Is it too late? And for Anas' friend, sadly, he lost his job. Uh, What are your thoughts here? Uh, It's always hard, right? I think especially at that kind of age and I think the the perception of society doesn't really help as well, right? I think what uh, Anas' friend is going through isn't different from a lot of what other people go through as well. People think that, oh, you're so old, you know, you're not going to fit into a culture, you're going to bring a lot of baggage with you and all that kind of things, right? It's not easy, right? So Anas, I think the best way to help your friend, I think, is what you're doing right now to support him. But uh, if you're able to, I'd argue, go a little bit further, like uh, take him out for things, like make him engage in stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So it's one thing to tell him positive things right it's another thing to do positive things with him right so that's a really good way but um, aside from that I think it's a lot about your friend trying to uh, grasp on I suppose to some positivity mm-hmm. and say you know it can be done it's going to be hard you might have to take a step back but it's not the end of the world la, in that sense like, it's something that you can manage and, and learn from it la. right because mm. the only constant in life is change yeah exactly it's it's harder change but yeah. it's still yeah, change yeah. alright well give us a call if you have a question for a psychologist Dr. Joel Lowe uh, 0395433333 Three or send us a voice note or a message on our DG Light line at 16-510-8888. Now, Eli wants some advice about how to deal with a sibling who has ADHD. We'll address that next after Celine Dion. I'm live on Light. It's a Mind Matters free clinic with psychologist Dr. Joel Lowe. And on our DG Light line, Eli wants to know how to deal with a sibling who has ADHD. Um, I think the first thing to, to deal with someone with ADHD is to understand what ADHD is, right? So ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, right? And so there's two parts to it. So the first part is the inattentiveness. So meaning that if you want to get them to read like an article or, or a journal paper or whatever it is. Or just focus on a conversation. Exactly, even. right. They start bouncing around and they can't focus, right? So that's the first part. Hyperactivity is the energy part. That's the one where you see it's really physical where they bounce off walls and things like that, right? So they're like all uh, physically all over the place. So depending on the type that your, your brother has, I think that that's the first step, right? To identify which one he has. Second one is to start breaking down tasks for him. So let's say assuming that your brother's on the younger side, let's say in college or school or whatever it is, right? If he's inattentive, don't give him one chunk of text to read, right? Break it down to like one paragraph, one paragraph and give him breaks in between. If he's the hyperactive kind, then you really got to structure his uh, daily tasks into like five minute blocks, for mm-hmm. example. So for all of us, if you tell them to, if it's for a young child, you ask them to go and brush their teeth. It's a simple activity. Activity. But if you really think about it, brushing your teeth is a lot of sequence of events. You mm. need to go to the toilet, you need to wet your toothbrush, put your toothpaste <laughs> on, and, and so on and so forth, right? Yeah. So if your brother's a younger son and is hyperactive, you need to break this down, this task down for him in that sense, and that will help him a lot. All mm. right, okay. Now, if you do have a question for Dr. Joel, the number is 0395433333 three, three, 
or send us a voice note on our DG Light line at 16510 Coming up, Liz doesn't think she'll ever get over the death of her dog. I can totally relate to this because mm. um, I felt that way when my cat died. We'll address her question next after Janet Jackson here on Light. And with me this morning on a Mind Matters Free Clinic is Dr. Joelle Lowe, clinical psychologist from the Mind Psychological Services and Training. You can always send us a voice note if you have a question for uh, the good doctor, just exactly how Liz did. I recently lost my dog that I've had for a very long time and I've been really, really down and I cannot function at work. I've taken two days off. And, you know, I've just been really sad and I just want to know that is this normal and will it end? Um, Yeah, because people are telling me that it's just a dog and it'll be over soon. But I'm still, you know, a little sad by it and heartbroken. So, yeah. Will this pain ever go away? Yeah, I think a lot of people can relate yeah. to this problem. Yeah, I think the first thing to, to acknowledge is that it's not just the dog, it's not just the cat. It's it's a part of your life, right? It's a family mm. member. And I think uh, losing a family member is never easy. La. Now, to, to answer your question, is it normal? Does it go away? Yeah, it's normal. It's very, very normal. The green process is a long and complicated one. And it's different from person to person. Mm-hmm. Some people snap out of it after 24 hours. Some people after 24 months and they're still grieving over the, the, the death, right? So I think it's important to give yourself of time, right? Obviously, if you're finding yourself not being able to go to work or detaching yourself away from friends and family, then you might want to go see someone for assistance, right? Mm-hmm. Either a counselor or psychologist. But if you are still able to function, but you're just you're down and you're sad, I think hang hang in there, right? right. Give it some time, right? The grieving process is a complicated one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, some well-meaning people may say, "Oh, it's okay, lah. Just adopt another dog." <laughs> is this a good idea? Eventually, eventually. Mm. Um, I don't think so quickly, like, especially if you're going through such a rough patch right now. Like, it's like a rebound, isn't it? Like If you have a bad relationship and you go on a rebound after that, it's never, never always, it's almost always never a good idea, like, right? Especially in this case, and you're so torn up by the, the death of your, 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 your pet. Getting another pet straight away is just going to remind you constantly about mm-hmm. what happened and the memories that you had. So I think give it some time. Once you're right. a bit more okay, then, then it might be a better yeah. time to do it. You'll know when you're ready. Yeah. Our thoughts are with you, yeah. Liz. We all know what it's like to lose a pet. Now, if you have a question for Dr. Joel, do give us a call. 03-954-3333. Azniza has a question about career options if you take up psychology as a first degree. That's up next after Fleetwood Mac, Little Lies on Light. It's a Mind Matters free clinic with consultant psychologist Dr. Joelle Lowe of the Mind Psychological Services and Training. And now, as Niza has written into our DG Lightline, she says, My son is considering studying psychology for his first degree. Can you please uh, tell me what career options will open up to him if he pursues this dream? That's a really big question to ask because there's a lot of options. Um, I think if your son wants to specialize in the field of psychology, then um, the degree is just the first step, right? So like for myself, if I want uh, to be a clinical psychologist, you need at least a master's uh, degree mm-hmm. uh, in Malaysia at least, right? Or if you want to be a counselor, you need a master's degree as well. To be fair, most psychological fields, you do need a master's to specialize in it. Lah. So, But if you just want to do a psychology degree you know, on its own, then the fields that you have open to you are quite wide. Some of my colleagues and friends have gone on to research 
positions. Like, oh, okay. um, so they do research for big companies like data crunching and all that. Because a large part of our degree is to analyze stuff and do research, right? Um, I've got uh, friends who are in marketing as well. So mm-hmm. they do a lot of marketing work because they understand a little bit about the psyche of the human being right. and how it works and all what that kind of things. What makes someone buy something, exactly. right? <laughs> exactly. Colors and placements of mm-hmm. ads and things like that, right? And another good place is with HR as well. So mm-hmm. um, that's a lot of, uh, where a lot of graduates end up in HR. Um, okay. So they, they work with people on a daily basis. Not on a clinical level, but on a day-to-day basis. Right. So I think these are some of the places where you can work. There are obviously some other examples, but these are the main main categories of people right. where you end up. Okay, Azniza, um, good luck to your son. Hope he enjoys his uh, first degree. <laughs> Why did you grimace, <laughs> Dr. Joel? <laughs> well, it's a tough, it's tough, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's if you think about it, if to be a clinical psychologist, you're going to be studying for at least five years, right? Right. That's all equivalent to a medical degree as well. Right. So that, that's why I'm grimacing. Right? I mean, you've got a long road ahead of you, buddy. Good luck. All right. Okay, good luck. Give us a call on 03-954-3333. It's a Mind Matters free clinic. Now, Peaches has a question about uh, dealing with her introverted son. That's up next after the traffic update and Dave Cause on Light. And uh, it is a Mind Matters Free Clinic with Dr. Joelle Lowe of the Mind Psychological Services and Training. And on our DG Lightline, Peaches has two questions actually for us. The first one, she says, my only child is an introvert and likes being alone and by himself. Uh, my husband and I are worried. He does have a few selected friends. He sees no problem with that. Should we be worried? He's 21 and at university. I worry because society tends to applaud extroverts and think that introverts are social misfits and her next question is about suicide she says i'd like to know if it's a good idea as a parent to broach the subject of suicide to children and if yes how do we do that this is just to let them know that no matter what we are there for them and some parents do feel that it is a taboo subject so i just like to get dr joel's thoughts on this thank Mm. you Okay, um, let's start off with the suicide one. I think it's a really good idea, especially in this day and age where suicide is something that is talked about very freely on social media, on TV shows and things like that, right? And I think the best way to go about talking about suicide is like talking about sex. Just be very open about it, be very frank about it. Mm-hmm. I think the main message that you want to get across to your child is that you have support. That uh, Mom and dad are here to, yeah. we've got your back and we'll, we'll, we'll help where we can, right? Um, I think that's the best way to go about it. In terms of the introversion and everything, it's not a bad thing at all, right? Because they ultimately there are these kind of people in this world. They're extroverts and introverts, mm-hmm. right? And I think being an introvert, there's a lot of power behind it as well. You know, introverts are those people who are, by and large, I'm generalizing here, right? Who take a lot of time to observe and to watch their surroundings and mm-hmm. they take in a lot of things, actually. Yeah, and, a lot and, of information. Exactly. do a lot of thinking. Exactly, exactly. And some, sometimes in like different roles in the company, that's the kind of person that you need, right? So as long as he's able to socialize, I think that's the mm-hmm. key thing here. If he can socialize, but he doesn't, he prefers not to, that's totally fine. Yeah. If he doesn't want to and he can't, I think that's the issue that we need to mm-hmm. be careful about. La. But if he can socialize, it's okay, yeah. then it's all right. Yeah. Well, I think she did mention that he has selected friends. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think he's probably able to. Exactly. So I, I don't see anything to worry about. I think she'll be fine. All right. Well, Dr. Joel, thank you so much this morning for all the great My advice. Pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks.